Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Be seated this morning. That was an awesome song. He's a way maker. All of us have been through experiences where we said, God, I just don't see any way around, through, over this, and then yet, God made a way, didn't he? Yeah. Hey, you know, just uh, right now, I, Pastor Poole is not here. Uh, he's uh, preaching uh, in Flagstaff for uh, Pastor Philemon Wachara, and so, you know, what we, I know that what he'll do is he'll probably sign on sometime and watch this service later. And so what I thought we'd do is get after three, I'll count down one, two, three, not three, two, one, but one, two, three. And at three, let's all shout happy birthday, Pastor John. How's that? Yeah. Okay, one, two, three. Happy birthday, Pastor John. Now give a woo <clears throat> Praise God. A uh, couple of brief announcements before we get into preaching. Uh, many of you know George Stone went to be with the Lord this last week, last Sunday, I believe it was. And the memorial service for him will be this upcoming Saturday, the 23rd at 11 o'clock. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, George uh, was... Uh, involved in our church for decades and involved in children's ministries from uh, children's church to Royal Rangers to just about everything he could be involved in. And uh, we miss him, but we are glad we're going to see him again. And so please be uh, praying for their family just for God's grace and comfort. And then remember Saturday at 11 o'clock. Then also this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock from 6 to 7, we're going to be having a prayer meeting here, all church prayer meeting. Encourage you to come out for that one hour from 6 to 7. We're going to be praying for this upcoming year and God's continued blessing and flow and the harvest that he's giving us. And also, during that time, we're going to, a number of us are going to be fasting that day. And so, if you'd like to join us in that through that day uh, for a meal, two meals, or through the whole day until after the fast, uh, that would be great. But if you'd come to that prayer meeting from 6 to 7, in that time, we're also going to be praying for Mark Palm. Uh, the founder of uh, Samaritan Aviation. He was diagnosed uh, recently with a treatable form of lymphoma. And even though they are, uh, uh, know that it's treatable, we're going to believe God for the great physician to touch him. Can you say amen? And so we'll be praying for him as well. All right, praise God. You know, this morning, uh, we're going to receive communion together in just a little bit. But before we do, I, I'm going to ask a dangerous question to ask at 11.15 on a Sunday morning. And that is, how many of you have ever been hungry? Really hungry. And I say it's dangerous because I've just now distracted a bunch of you. You're thinking about lunch. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
Pastor Poole was preaching and described a monster Carl's Jr. burger just dripping and all that. And I have to tell you, I was distracted through the rest of the message thinking about hamburgers. And so I understand the danger in bringing up your hunger. We are going to provide a snack after the message, but it's going to be minimal and you can go eat lunch afterwards. But when I talk about hunger, I'm not talking about, well, you know, I guess I could eat, but I mean really hungry. The, the first time I backpacked in Arizona, uh, I had come cross country with my sister and we went out to an area called Beaver Creek, beautiful area, but we had packed lightweight foods, uh, dried fruit, nuts, that kind of thing. And after the first day, we had completely run out of food. Uh, second day, I was starving, and I'm walking by myself along Beaver Creek and, and uh, trying to ignore the grumbling in my stomach, rumbling, grumbling in my stomach. And, and then I notice something on the creek edge, and I walk up to it, and it is a discarded box of cinnamon graham crackers. So I, I picked it up. And one of the blocks had already been eaten. One of them had been laying in the creek and had gotten all soggy. But there was one block that was completely whole. And, and I gobbled that thing down. And I thought, you know, I wasn't a Christian then, but I thought it was some kind of cosmic miracle. <clears throat> Lots of us have been at times where we've been extremely hungry, and that's what I want to talk about today is our hunger for God, our hunger for God. Uh, I thought about asking us as a group, uh, uh, how many of you are hungry for God? But I decided instead of that, as I was thinking about what I'm going to be presenting, uh, I thought about just instead telling us every one of us here are hungry for God. I know this about every one of us, and I know this about everyone, those even who are not here this morning, every person who has ever lived is hungry for God. Now, listen, I'm not saying everyone will follow that hunger, but for those of us who do, we are given a tremendous promise by Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I want you to tell yourself or someone, you're blessed because you're hungry. Every one of us here this morning, we are all hungry for God. Everybody is hungry for God. Now, I know that some of you are bound to be thinking of your next door neighbor and you're thinking, well, you don't know my next door neighbor or, or my brother or my sister or the guy that I work with because they sure don't seem hungry for God at all. But I do know they really are hungry for God. They may not admit it. They may not recognize it or understand it, but they're hungry. Non-believers, people who have not yet given their lives to Christ, are hungry for God. And we need to know this today. 
We need to know it because sometimes we think of those that we might share Jesus with and we think, why would they even listen to me? Now the truth is, some may not listen to us, but that doesn't mean that they're not hungry because they are. They're hungry for God. God has put his understanding and knowledge inside every heart. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it says that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. You see, people know God exists. He set eternity in their hearts. Now, I'm not naive. I know that there are those who deny there's a God, but that doesn't change the fact that even though they deny him, they are hungry for him. Amen. Psalm 14, verse 1 in the Amplified puts it pretty bluntly. The empty-headed fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, in the original, this could better be written and stated, there is is taken out. The empty-headed fool has said in his heart, no God. You see, everybody really knows there is a God. There are some who simply say, no God. And this doesn't mean they're not hungry because they are. It simply means they've given their appetites to something else. I know that people who aren't saved are hungry for God because I was. Before I gave my life to Christ, I knew there was something missing in my life. As I got older in my teens, I was fairly desperate in the, trying to understand what was wrong with me. And then I got saved, and I found out what was wrong with me was I was missing the whole point of life, and that's Jesus Christ. I was hungry for God. I just didn't know it. And so there are a lot of people, non-believers, folks who haven't yet yielded to Christ, they're hungry for him. They need to be told again. Can you say that's right? <clears throat> there are some people who've lived for God for a while and then just walked away. That doesn't mean that they're not hungry for him. It means they're simply sidetracked. And again, they've given their appetites possibly to other things. Kind of like the story that Jesus told of uh, the prodigal son. We call him the prodigal son. It's in uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 15. And here's this guy that uh, decided that he wanted his inheritance and wanted it then, right now. And he told his dad, I want my inheritance. I want to go out uh, and have a good time. Party, 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 hearty. Have a good time. Woo, woo. Party time, excellent, all that. Have a blast while I last. And so he got the inheritance, and we know most of us have heard the story before. Some may not. That's why I'm talking about it. He went out and wasted his inheritance, ended up in a pig pen eating pig slop. And after he was there, Jesus says he came to himself. Luke 15, verse 17 he came to himself. I love the way Jesus puts that. It's like all of a sudden he's there in the pig pen eating pig slop and thinking, oh my gosh, how did I get here? And he said, how many of my father's hired servants 
have enough bread and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And so he gets up, he goes, he found out that he was hungry. And that hunger drove him back to his father's house. This morning, you may be here. And maybe you walked with God for a while. And maybe you did turn away. And this morning, you are here because you're hungry. And I want you to know that it's not God being aloof or standoffish from you this morning. He's like the father that Jesus tells in the story as his son was a great way off, runs down the path toward his son, throws his arms around him, welcomes him back in to the father's house. That's exactly the sentiment of God our father. He welcomes us home. Thank God for that. People who have walked away from God are hungry for him. Church folk are hungry for God. Now, as I say that, I, I, I know sometimes we may not always look like it. Sometimes we may feel kind of apathetic or kind of blah in our relationship with God. But you know what? We're all hungry. We're hungry for God, whether we recognize it or not. And having said that, I want to point out again what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, when I get hungry, I look for something to eat. There are times that I'll set aside eating uh, for a time of fasting. I'll do that along with my wife, Cindy, on that Tuesday. We'll set aside some time uh, uh, to give it to the Lord and all that. But when I can't eat, I want to eat. When I get hungry, I go looking. In my desk drawer, I've got snacks. I've got beef jerky that I eat. I've got some packets of tuna that I have. If I run out of my, in my snack drawer, I go foraging in the church kitchen. I got to tell you, one time I did, it, was, it didn't turn out so well. There was a, uh, an, uh, a jar of peanut butter that uh, looked, it looked all right. And so I just, I opened, I was hungry. And so I dipped a spoon in there and stuck a big spoonful in my mouth and it was rancid. That's what I said. I literally got a paper, I, I, you know, I'm peanut butter. It, it's hard to, hard to get it all out. So I'm, I'm spitting it out in the trash. I'm washing my mouth out and it's coated the inside of my mouth. So I've got paper towels. And, scraping my tongue, the roof of my mouth. It was, it was horrible. So I'm more careful now. But my point is, is that when I'm hungry, I pursue. And that's what I want to talk about in the last part of this message is our pursuit of God, going after God. And God wants to be passionately pursued. 
In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, God is remembering a time when his people were interested in him, and now they've become kind of blah. And he says, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, thus says the Lord, I remember you and the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. And God is lamenting the time as he remembers the, the love that his people had for him. And now he says, I remember that time when you went after me. And this is what God desires. He desires for us to be passionate and in passionate pursuit of him. Now, I'll be honest with you this morning, I can't say that I am always, 100% of the time, just as in this passionate pursuit of God. There are times where I feel kind of blah in my relationship with Him. And that's not God's fault, that's totally on me. But I'm being honest with you this morning, there are sometimes I just feel kind of blah. I often think about how I was as a new believer in Christ, and after I'd first gotten saved, I'd sit in song services, and, and I'd clap my hands so hard and so fast that they'd turn red because I was so excited about Jesus. There are times I'd be alone in prayer, and I'd be walking and praying, and while I was walking, I'd get so excited about what Jesus had done in my life that I'd leap up in the air and start leaping and shouting and all by my lonesome, me and God, just talking uh, about how happy I was with him and what he had done in my life. Now, I'm not as limber as I used to be, I may pay the price for that little bit of illustration there later. <laughs> uh, I'm not as energetic as I used to be, but I do realize I have to remind myself continually to show God how much I still love him. We do, don't we? <clears throat> Revelation 2 verse 4 Jesus is saying, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. God wants us to remember how much we loved him when we first got to know him. There was an older couple, and they were lying in bed, getting ready to fall off to sleep one night, and the, the husband, he's kind of like I am in our household. I fall asleep just as, almost as soon as my head hits the pillow. And so he's just drifting off to sleep. But his wife, you know, she's thinking about the years they've had together. And, and she's feeling kind of uh, romantic toward him and, and their lives together. And so uh, she says to him, you know, when we were dating, you used to hold my hand. And so... He reaches out his wrinkled hand and takes hers for about three seconds and then turns it loose and rolls over and starts to fall back asleep. And then she says, you know, and you used to kiss me. Now he's mildly irritated because she's woken him up again. And so 
he, he leans across the bed and he gives her a, a kiss on the cheek and rolls back over and starts to fall off to sleep again. About 30 seconds had passed and she says, and then you used to bite my neck. And angrily, angrily, he throws the covers off. He lurches out of bed and starts stomping across the room. And she says, where are you going? And he says, to get my teeth. <clears throat> First love. <laughs> now, God wants us to go after him. He wants, listen, God wants to be pursued. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the first commandment. And he's talking about our putting everything into loving him. David is a character out of the Old Testament. He was one of the kings of, of Israel, one of the great kings, and, and one of the most uh, remembered people in history, uh, especially biblical history. And yet we know that he had flaws and failures. Uh, if you read his story, uh, you know that he had some great failures in his life, but the one dominant characteristic in his life was his pursuit for God. He wrote a number and most of the Psalms, and he wrote this in Psalm 63, verse 1 through 5. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary, and I beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Man, isn't that good? I wish I'd written that. I, I wish I'd said that. But that needs to be our heart with all of his faults and failings. The driving passion of David's life was his hunger for God. And God refers to this in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, says he raised up for them David as king to whom he gave testimony and said, this is God's testimony of David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Now, I used to read into this that God was talking about his heart being after David, but it literally says that David and the characteristic for his life was that he was a man after the heart of God. We know that God's heart was after David, that he yearned and longed for David, and he restored him when he failed. But David's testimony from God himself was He's a man after my heart. Now, those of us that are here this morning and are married, 
We know about pursuit, don't we? Cindy and I are going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary in, a, in several days. Yeah. She's a gift from God, I'm telling you. Uh, before we got married, we dated long distance. She lived in San Diego. We were introduced through our friends here in the church, Rudy and Sandy. Uh, they uh, uh, introduced us, uh, and uh, the rest is history. Uh, we've kind of uh, been talking about a finder's fee for 20 years and haven't come up with anything yet, but uh, maybe someday. Uh, but we, we dated long distance. We, we talked on the phone for hours. And this is before uh, 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 the, the, the uh, phone companies gave you uh, unlimited calling. <laughs> Paid the price for that, several hundred dollars a, a month for the phone calls. Uh, we emailed uh, through the course of the day, probably sent hundreds of emails to each other. When I could, I'd drive to San Diego uh, to see her. When she could, she'd drive to Kingman to see me. We were in pursuit. Now, pursuit after someone is only good if it's desired from the one pursued. <laughs> Thankfully, Cindy desired me to pursue her. And that's a good thing because a one-sided pursuit is called stalking. <laughs> One of the, the biggest surprises, if I could use that word, or mind blowers about God, is he desires to be pursued by us. Isn't that incredible? You know, some people feel like God is aloof. He's not. There are those who deep down inside their hearts feel like God doesn't really like them or doesn't care. And I'm telling you this morning, he does. Our pursuit of God, listen, our pursuit of God isn't stalking. He wants us to want him. And we're given a tremendous promise in James chapter 4 verse 8. And it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise you can put in the bank. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And I want to encourage us all this morning to go after God like never before. He wants to be wanted. And what you and I are really looking for in life, what we are truly striving for, what we are really hungry for in life is found in him. And Jesus said again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and make preparation and, and go ahead and come forward. Wait before you begin to pass the uh, uh, trays out for communion. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everything that we're looking for in life can be found in him. 
from the provision of our life, from uh, the, the things that we need to live life to the, the deepest need of our heart and the deepest ache in our heart will be fulfilled and satisfied through him. In a moment, we're going to receive communion, but before we do, if you just bow your head and close your eyes with me today, the ushers are going to be making their way forward and just standing just for a moment. Everyone's heads are bowed and no one looking around for a moment. The only requirement for receiving communion here at New Life Church is that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you've asked Christ to come into your heart and life, received him as your Lord and Savior. Some of you, you may be doing that for the first time today. And if you never have, I pray that this would be the moment. You are here because you are hungry for God. You may not have even known it uh, until today that what you were looking for and the yearning and, and the desire of your heart really is in, in him. And from that flows everything else in life. If you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you're like the one we told in the story that went away from his father's house and returned. Maybe today you're returning and you say, you know what, I, I just want you to remember me in prayer this morning for the forgiveness that Jesus paid for. And if you're here and that's the sentiment in your heart, no one looking around for a moment, just raise your hand to be included in this prayer for forgiveness. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Honest hearts. Anyone else? God bless you. Praise God. We're going to pray together, and I'd like for all of us just to pray this out loud with me, if you would. Just pray this uh, to him, and I'll Say the prayer and you repeat it out loud with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you did it for me. And I ask you to forgive me from all of my sin. Come and live within my heart. And Lord, I make it my aim to pursue you from this moment. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your blessing, for your favor in my life. In your name, the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a clap offering, would you? The ushers are going to be passing out the cups, and there are two cups. There's a cup in a cup. The lower one has the bread, it's, so just be careful in taking those out of the trays. God's so good, isn't he? It's a mind-blowing thing that God would desire to be desired by people like us. <laughs> he does yearns for us. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verse 15, Jesus said these words right before he was going to his death. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. 
He wrestled and struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying and said, Father, if there's any other way, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus had set his heart on you and I. And that's why he says in, in this verse, I've eagerly desired, it shows his desire, his heart yearned for you and I. And you know what? What he did when he was dying on the cross as he was looking centuries into the future to us here this morning. It's incredible. You and I sitting here And he gave his life, yearned for us, gave everything so that you and I could be forgiven and paid the price for our healing. The piece of bread that we have in our hands this morning is symbolic of the body of Jesus that was broken when the stripes were laid on his back. In Isaiah 53, it spoke prophetically of him that he would be taking stripes on us for our healing. First Peter picks up the thoughts and says, by his stripes, we were healed. And so this morning, we're going to receive together in just a few moments. Before we do and before we pray over the bread, is there anyone that has not yet been served that you are waiting for the ushers to find you here? Praise God. If you would hold that piece of bread, we're going to pray together and agree together. And I'd just like for you to trust with me and with this assembly this morning. We're going to believe God for release of healing power. By his stripes, we were healed. Jesus paid the price so that we could receive physical healing so that we could receive healing for troubled emotions, troubled minds. And today, we're gonna to trust God with you that as we receive the bread together, the healing virtue of Jesus is, and power of Jesus is gonna flow and bring healing in sick bodies, uh, bring relief to troubled emotions, troubled minds. And I just dare to believe with you that he's going to do that. Can you say amen? amen. Let's pray together before we receive the bread. Jesus, thank you that your desire was for us. Thank you for paying the price and allowing those stripes to be put on your body so that we could be healed. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we are not forgetful of the price you paid so that we could be made whole. We thank you, we praise you, and we receive this token, this symbol of your body broken for us, for our healing in your name, Jesus. Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Jesus lifted up the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This morning, the cup that we hold in our hands symbolizes that we're clean in the sight of God. <laughs> Who would have ever thought it? Jesus paid the price so that every sin, everything that we have done that was displeasing to God 
would be cleansed in a moment of time when we received him and accepted him into our life, clean in the sight of God. And I pray this morning not a one of us would leave with a, a sense of condemnation in our hearts. Jesus paid too great a price for us to live a condemned life. Can you say amen? He shed his blood so that we could receive forgiveness. He shed his blood so that we could receive wholeness. And today we hold the symbol of that in our hands, this juice. And, and maybe you're looking online and, 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 and are participating online with us. That, uh, maybe you could just grab a, a cup of water even if you don't have juice in your fridge. We're gonna in a moment receive the cup together. And as we do, you need to remember what Jesus did for you. And I want you to say it. He did it for me. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. We're going to just pray together. I'm going to pray out loud. Jesus, thank you for your blood shed for us. You did it for us as individuals as well as collectively. And Lord, we are not forgetful of the great price that you paid. You shed every drop of your blood so that we could be brought back to the Father. We thank you for it. We praise you for the cleansing of our sin. Thank you for relief from a guilty conscience and being condemned, Lord. We are no longer condemned. We have been set free. Lord, we look forward to our life ahead. You are our hope in this life and in the life to come. We can have assurance and confidence and boldness to come before our Heavenly Father because you have proclaimed us healed and whole because of your bloodshed. We thank you for it. We remember what you did for us in your wonderful name, Jesus. Jesus took the cup and he said, take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant. Let's drink together. Now let's stand together and let's just take a moment. You know, I, I do have remembrance of myself as a new believer and that 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 explosiveness in my heart that made me want to jump up and down I'm not going to do it again because man a man's got to know his limitations <laughs> but let's take a moment let's just make some noise and thank God for what he's done for us would you thank you Jesus we praise you, we love you, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you are to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just say, thank you, Jesus. You did it for me. Praise God. Our prayer team is going to be up here in the front to pray with you. If you'd like individual prayer for your personal needs, uh, they'll be here for you to pray and agree with you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.